Welcome back to episode 3 of Occam's Razor, the MUFON episode. We're lucky enough to be joined by Roger Stankovich, who is the Australasian president for MUFON. MUFON, for those who don't know, is the Mutual UFO Network. And the Australasian region covers Australia, New Zealand, and countries within the Pacific Rim. I started off by speaking with Roger about his UFO encounter that he had as a child in the New South Wales uh, backcountry. And here's what he had to say. No worries. Okay, so you're, um, you had the sighting, obviously, when you were a teenager in sort of semi-rural uh, New South Wales. Yeah, yeah. Um, you were talking about, and you came back and you, you told your parents. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, so I, I, um, I came back into the house and um, uh, told my parents and my sister uh, what happened, and basically um, they sort of like, uh, saw me you know, visibly uh, like, uh, shocked. And yep. um, I went and told the kids at school as well, and they sort of like, um, uh, they sort of like, um, didn't think I was in, you know, making it up or anything like that. And yep. um, from then on, that that sort of like um, uh, fueled my curiosity in the subject. And and then um, basically, I um, started researching UFOs and you know, um, reading a lot of books and magazines. And that was my staple diet, just reading UFO literature. And um, sounds like what happened. Um, Sounds like, sorry? Sounds like my upbringing. I used to do the same, park myself oh, up. Oh, really? And crack over okay. anything that had a flying saucer on the front of it. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Sorry. Um, sorry. So, yeah, so, so basically then I, I, I still like wanted to, um, I did a little bit of independent research, but I still like thought, um, you know, how can I get actively involved? And, and so I still like thought, well, the, you know, like the best way to do that is to join an organisation. So I looked at some of the the UFO groups around uh, New South Wales, but I I, I, um, I sort of like thought they were a bit clicky and um, maybe that um, part it was hard to sort of like um, to get to get um, actively involved in, in something. I, I, I uh, emailed um, uh, a, a sort of like a vintage um, uh, researcher here in Australia, um, and he, he's been like he's been um, uh, looking at UFOs for quite some time. What he's saying there, <laughs> um, but um, uh, he he sort of like was like uh, semi-retired, and therefore I, I sort of like found Mufon online, and I sort of like knew about them before, but I sort of like didn't realise they had a chapter here in um, in Australia, and so I um, contacted the national director, and then I became a field investigator. So I had to actually sit for an exam and, and study um, for it, and uh, to become a field investigator. What kind of things do they ask you in the uh, in the exam, so to speak? I know you get a manual and you have to work your way through it. That's right. You get a manual and then you, you've got to work your way through it and basically get given a set um, number of questions, 100 questions or whatever, and you've got to get 80% and above. And um, so so basically just general knowledge about UFOs and you know, how would you go about them. Some of them are pretty um, precise about um, how, yeah, what would you do in a certain scenario where... Um, uh, to be honest, I can't remember a single question, but um, uh, it, it was a while ago. And, and uh, yeah, some of them you had to sort of like, um, you, you'd have to sort of like either refer to the manual or, um, or um, uh, was it sort of investigative techniques and that sort of stuff? And, and if you if yeah, you it's like something, how to, how to measure it, how to record that's right I mean exactly it, 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 it's about the investigative technique but also 
um, some general knowledge about UFOs, so um, and, and the mixture of those type of questions. So, um, yes, yeah, so, so I, I, I've had some examples in the past, but, and then past the first attempts, some people find it a little bit difficult. It's a little bit trick, trick, bit of a tricky exam, but um, uh, I, I, I passed it, and then I, um, I was accepted as a, as a trainee, field investigator, and then basically I got access to the database and. So what, what happens, um, the national director then um, uh, distributes the UFO cases to the field investigators. So we, we get the cases directly from the database. So if somebody reports a UFO, they um, uh, immediately, it comes to, to my attention as a national director. And then, then I, uh, it, it comes onto the, it, 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 it goes onto the database into our database, the Australian New Zealand database, yep. and then I distribute the cases out to the field investigators. Okay. So, I, and I'll distribute some out to me as well because we've only got like a handful of investigators, and basically I've got to um, help out as well. But um, usually, um, the national director just to like um, read the reports that uh, that the field investigators do, and then just. Complete, you know, completes it, and then you know uh, either accepts the report or, or asks for further information or whatever. And, and usually we classify them as as either um, cases that are unknown, which we what we normally do is we we go through a uh, we, we we put the actual case report through a filter. Um, we try to work out if this report. Um, Something that uh, can be explained by any prosaic uh, means, you know, in, in terms of um, was it a man-made object? Was it a bird? Was it an insect? Was it a, a satellite? Was it a, um, a space junk? Or it could have been, you know, an astronomical event. So we we we, we try to work out does it fit into any of those categories? If it doesn't, then what we do is label as an unknown, but we, we go through this rigorous procedure of actually trying to identify the object um, based on what the actual witness is telling us. Okay. And and yeah, the field investigators, they direct their inquiries towards uh, to, sort of the Air Force and media and meteorological sort of, um, sort of outlets, outlets, is that right? So, sorry, so you were saying that the witnesses um, direct sorry, their no, no, inquiries? Yeah, no, 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 the investigators direct their inquiries towards the... Oh, yes, sorry, sorry, yes. Yeah. Um, so basically the field investigator then um, will will use the various techniques or, or various databases available. So you might say, for example, um, somebody said that they saw an object lying um, uh, in, in, in a sub... or maybe in the Melbourne CBD... Yep. Um, what you can do, if reports issued, if the report, if if the if the if the sightings reported within six months to our database, we can actually track all the all the planes going in and out of Melbourne Airport um, based on their if they've got a transponder. Well, then basically we can track every single plane. So we, we what we need to do is get the time and the date that the witness saw the. The actual object, and then what we try and do is see what well was there a plane in that location, or was there a helicopter, or was there anything in that in that location so, that's a, a commercial airliner? Yep, sorry. The process of elimination, so to speak. That's right. The process of elimination. Yeah. So basically, we we try and we we'll either use you know like um, something like web track to actually locate whether there's a there's a commercial. Uh, uh, 
plane or, or helicopter or whatever that uh, that's got a transponder, or we'll we'll go to the satellite. Um, uh, I'll go to a, a bit of software that enables us to locate the satellites um, in okay. in the night sky, and and we can actually um, locate. We can pinpoint the location of most satellites over uh, you know, over Australia at any given point in time. So, or we we'll do something else like we you know we might look at. Um, it's hard to track space junk. It's very, very hard to track space junk because there's so much of it out there. Um, or if there's a meteorological event, we'll you know usually look try and look that up. Um, but that's yeah, that's what we try and do. We try and eliminate all the different possibilities. And if we can't we can't find a prosaic answer to their sighting, well then we will we'll designate it as an unknown. Okay, and after this, as you said, you once it's been reclassified, so to speak. Um, how many, on average, how many sightings, you know, percentage-wise, can be explained sufficiently, or you know, have sufficient evidence behind them to to be explained? Are we sort of talking in the 90s, or is it just a small margin? Yeah, I think I think probably about 90% of cases or 95% of cases can easily can easily be explained, yeah. um, which is which is a little bit, you know, like. Uh, I don't know, discouraging, but um, it is what it is. Basically, a lot of people see things and they're not really um, looking at extraterrestrial spacecraft. Yeah. And, uh, but there are that 5% which is really, really uh, still quite a number of cases. When you, um, about 90 to 95% of cases um, can, can usually be explained um, uh, away, but there's that five percent of cases where, uh, where we've tried everything to try and explain it away, but we can't, and um, therefore we label it as an unknown. Okay, actually, it must be, as you say, a little bit disheartening when um, you know you work out that it was just sort of the uh, red-eye flight to Perth or something that someone saw. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah, but um, yeah, I mean, there's, there's a sorry, sorry, there's a lot of effort that we put in to cases. We don't want to spend too much time on the cases that can be you know are usually prosaic answers to um so basically um we want to spend most of our time on cases which are unknown and try and um get as much detail from the the witness so that we can build a, a solid case up yeah um do you what do you say to people that you know, come to you. Obviously, you're a, you're a person who's convinced of the possibility of intelligent life visiting Earth. What do you say to people that cite a complete lack of verifiable evidence? I don't mean the evidence we've just discussed, um, but stuff that can be verified. You know, uh, whether that's you know whether that's yeah. putting it through a process of um, a of elimination or you know taking it to a technical expert who, who can um, decide what's you know what's been seen in an image or recording or whatever what do you say to those people well um it, it just depends like, i mean basically um these days the general public have a a, a a a pretty good idea of um the fact that um there's a lot of evidence out there to suggest that there is some something to this phenomenon but it's usually the and the people who are uh, quite sceptical uh, yep. that, that say that there's no, uh, there's no verifiable evidence. Um, and usually these people, yeah, I found out, usually debunkers who just, you know, just don't want to accept the fact that there's something out there. And, they're, um, they're and they, hello? They're often professional. Hello? Yeah, 
and and so I think there's some of these people have a hidden agenda. I don't know what it is, but most of the people that are open-minded have a have um, you know um, a, 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 like a, a tolerant view to it. And basically, there's a lot of evidence out there. Um, if you look at the whole phenomenon, there's masses and masses of evidence. There's ground-to-earth radar. There's a visual witness. Uh, ground to, to sky sightings. There's physical evidence that's left on the ground, on cars, in clouds. There's um, there's, there's so much evidence. It's it's just not funny. Basically, um, what other phenomenon that you know of or anyone knows of um, uh, has so much evidence in terms of data? But I can understand them saying that. Okay, well, give me a piece of craft. You know, give me a bit. Give me a bit of. Uh, uh, of of of, um, of spacecraft. Sure. Give me a, give me um, you know a spacesuit that the aliens wearing, or, or show me an alien. Um, yeah. Even if yeah, okay. Well, that's that's really tangible evidence. But the thing is, is that that might exist, but we don't have access to it. And yeah. basically, there's nothing we can do until there's a disclosure about it. But um, uh, there is circumstantial evidence so much circumstantial evidence that it's just ridiculous i mean what other phenomenon do you know that generates so much data that's involved involves so many people from so many different backgrounds you know we're talking about astronauts we're talking about uh, 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 air, uh sorry um pilots astronauts um, people who are highly intelligent and trained observers who who report these things, not not Joe Blow down the street, you know. And in fact, there's you know there's there's people from all walks of life, all different backgrounds who actually report these things. And um, if if they say there's no verifiable evidence, well, how about if they look at the documents that have been released on 35 millimeter film to Jamie Shandera? Um, involving the Eisenhower briefing document, so there's there's tangible proof that that um, uh, there are documents that have been distributed to various people around the world that explain the crash of uh, uh, that happened in, in 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 New Mexico, the Roswell crash. So basically, there are some some of those papers that were distributed uh, could be false. But some of them could be real, and I know that Stanton Friedman, and I've, I've, I've emailed Stanton many times sure. about some of these documents. Hello. Yep, got you. Can you hear me? Yep. Gotcha. So I've 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 um, emailed Stanton Friedman about these documents several times, and basically, um, he's convinced that one of these documents, at least one of these documents, that of a twining memo, is yep. actually real, because it's not actually a photo. Um, so one of these one of these uh, documents that um, Stan is talking about, this is called the Cutler Twining Memo, um, was uh, typed out on it's a copy on onion skin paper that that was typed out in 1952. So basically, he, it, it can be verified, and he's actually done so much work that he reckons that that particular document, which re refers to Majestic 12, is actually a real document. So there's a piece of evidence there. Um, there's, there's other documents that have been released by the CIA. Um, for example, um, there was a there was a memo uh, that was released by um, a, a, an intelligence um, someone in intelligence called um, James Angleton um, that um, actually referred to um, uh, Marilyn Monroe 
and how she was involved in disseminating information that um, that uh, John F. Kennedy gave her. Um, and basically, her her murder resulted in uh, in um, uh, basically because of the fact that she knew too much about about um, uh, aliens that that were actually um, seen by John F. Kennedy, and he actually told her a lot of information about uh, about um, where they were located and, and what he saw. So she was she was going to spill the beans on on John F. Kennedy because she was um, annoyed with with both um, Robert and, and John for ignoring her at that stage. And we all know um, so, what happened to her, don't we? Uh, well, that's right. I mean, a lot of people say it was murder, but um, if you... There's, yeah. a, there's, there's a really good documentary. I always that's it, right. Uh, I always found it odd that, that, that she had a bunch of the crime scene. Um, when it was investigated, there was a bunch of pills, you know, surrounding her. She's taken sleeping pills and barbiturates and stuff like that, according to the toxicology. But there was no glass of water there, so I was found quite interesting. Yeah, well, that's a bit suspicious. It, it's, it's more than suspicious, I think. Um, you know, if yeah. you were going to take those pills, it would be a lot easier with, with water, wouldn't well, it? Well, that's yeah. right. I mean, in every setup, there's always somebody that can do a mistake, and that looks like a bit of a glaring mistake. It does. So, it does. Um, but but um, yes, so there are documents around that, and this this document, this memo, was actually was uh, verified by the CIA. Is there right? So a lot of there was a lot of disclosure with the um, Project Blue Book and stuff when that was released, wasn't it, a few years back? You there? You got me? Have, you, have I lost I you? Yeah, Hello. Gotcha. 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 Yep. Got me again. <laughs> yeah, sorry. No, I, I um, yeah, so Project Blue Book. Sorry, the yeah, public. Uh, so basically, Project Blue Book was a public relations um, event um, uh, after after Ross hysteria about UFOs, and in particular, in 1952, um, a lot of UFOs were being sighted. So um, basically, um, yeah, the government um, was involved, and it was quite washed by um, the Robertson panel as well, because um, after, after, for example, in, in, I think it, it finished in 1969, and so the Robertson panel um, uh, uh, quite washed the whole thing by saying, well, you know, basically there's nothing to this, you know, we've done all these reports, uh, but we've, we've, we can't come to any conclusion because there's, there's really nothing to it. Um, when in fact that there were there were quite a few cases in Project Blue Book that were completely just, you just they just couldn't work out, you know, what they were, and um, it indicated that you know there are some of these a certain percentage of these cases were were cases which which cannot be explained through rigorous scientific um, investigation. Do you think um, some of the sightings, particularly around that Cold War period, um, were, were just a smokescreen to distract you know from the testing of experimental aircraft, you know, through Skunkworks planes and stuff like that, you know, around that whole area 51, um, you know, sort of uh, sort of period there. Do you think there's some there's some legitimacy to that? I think you know the, the B2 bomber and, and uh, earlier they uh, I forget the name of the um, aircraft that they used to test out there. The, no, I want to say Blackbird, something Bird. Um, do you think? Yeah, there was a, there was the Blackbird and there was the the, the uh, stealth stealth bomber. Um, yeah, so what you're saying is that um, are some of these uh, projects like UFOs used as a smokescreen for some of these projects for the public? Yeah. For the public, is that what you're saying? Oh, yeah. yeah. Look, um, I don't believe that at, for one second because basically, um, I, I don't know what they're trying to say by that because basically. 
is it is it um you know like what 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 you're trying to say is it is if somebody sees say for example a still fighter in 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 and they're not supposed to and basically they say oh you know it's a ufo um uh, it's basically just to cover their asses just to say that okay well you know it's not ours uh, yep. so we don't know anything about it you know it's, it's something that's unidentified okay um well I, I don't know maybe they they do do that just to 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 um get around having to explain what it, what this experimental aircraft is but um basically um I, I i don't think they should actually try to be try to attract attention to these sightings and call them ufo's because then people will um you know um, alarm bells will ring and they'll say, okay, well, we need to investigate this, you know, with somebody's sighting, or well, there was a mass sighting of a UFO. Um, you know, like, if you, if you try and then say, oh, well, you know, just let's, let's investigate this, and, you know, that basically could lead to the fact that, you know, you could, you could trace that, that UFO down to, um, something that came out of, you know, the, the Skunkworks factory, you know. Yes. Um, so, um, so basically, I don't know what do you know about Bob Lazar. Um, he's I do, back in the media. Sorry, yeah. Just for people who don't know Bob Lazar, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, was a fellow who claimed he worked at Area 51 as a, not sure he was an engineer or something like that. And basically, he lived <laughs> yeah. on the activities there. And, and he's been a uh, controversial right. figure, hasn't he, for a while? Not, not everyone. He's been. He he has been. Yeah. Yep. Yes, yeah, sorry, sorry to interrupt you. But um, so basically, uh, yeah, Bob in 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 the late eighties was was a, a bit of a whistleblower. Um, he 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 apparently worked at S S four, which is an area uh, not far off Area fifty one. But um, uh, they were saying that, um, and I don't know whether your audience knows about Bob, but I'm sure that if they're listening to, if they're interested in UFOs, they probably would have heard of heard of him. Yeah, he's done um, it. Isn't he really a disclosure movement? That's right, and uh, and so basically, um, some some people are trying to put a spin on his uh, on his story by saying that oh well you know they just wanted him to go out and um, and and talk about UFOs so they could um, use that as a smokescreen for their experimental craft, which is a load of hogwash. Um, uh, basically, why would you? Sorry. It doesn't sound right. It doesn't sound plausible. It, it doesn't sound right. In fact, um, you know, like the opposite is usually the case, where um, you know they'll say probably you know if they if um, if it's a UFO sighting, well they might just explain it as oh no, that's one of what's one of our experimental craft. You know, um, yeah. why would you want to attract attention to a base by saying that okay, well you know um, this is a UFO. You know. Um, People are more interested in UFOs than they are in experimental craft, and they'll they'll actually, you know, it just it seems counter logical to me, and you know, I just um, the just just changing tack a little bit to the whole sort of culture of UFOs. Obviously, it's in the um, you know it's, it's in the domain of modern society. You know, most people are aware of the possibility of the existence of, of extraterrestrials, and I think um, in terms of you know, coming forward for the 30, 40 years, um, the, the percentage of people that believe in such a thing has skyrocketed. Do you think that's fueled by, you know, movies, TV, documentaries, that sort of thing? Or do you think it's just because we've become more inquisitive by nature and maybe connected to the internet and so forth? 
Yeah, I think it's a combination of all those things and above uh, that you've said, but uh, m- not not so much movies now. I, I think that people just think movies are just fiction anyway, and they can draw their own conclusions. But but basically, I think in the fifties and the sixties, people were were, were like um, uh, enlightened uh, by watching movies and, uh, of these things, but and frightened by it. But um, basically, these days, as you as you say, there's a lot of things on the internet. Um, you can do a lot of research yourself as an independent researcher on the internet and you know you get places like the Black Vault and um, you know the, the Project Blue Book files are all now on the internet um, and, and also um, the recent sightings or not they're not recent sightings but sightings that happened in 2004 that had recently been um, put out to the media um, uh, about the uh, USS Nimitz um, encounter of UFO in 2004 off San Diego yeah. Um, so um, Louis Alessandro um, is the guy who used to, um, uh, who, who was um, uh, one of the intelligence officers that, that was um, uh, uh, working on the USS Nimitz uh, uh, at the time, and his his um, uh, his efforts to, to try and tell the public about what actually happened and um, his his uh, disclosure of what he knows. Um, about um, you know a 22 million dollar project that was um, uh, uh, funded by the US government uh, and um, to, to study UFOs. Um, basically, I think that uh, now a lot of people know about that, and it was also reported by the um, New, York, New York Times, or uh, you know, very high profile um, newspaper. So, what, what was the um, Navy's official position on it? I'm sorry. What was the Navy's official position on it? On the sighting um, um, I, I, I'm uh, not sure what the Navy's position on it was. They, they, uh, I think that what's been reported is that they, they're not denying that they didn't see a UFO. Sorry, they're not yeah. deny, denying that they didn't see a UFO. Um, they said that they, they tracked it on a, on a specialised bit of equipment, which um, I've forgotten the name of, but um, it, it's. Um, Highly specialised equipment, and basically they, um, uh, yeah. So they're not saying that they, they're not denying the fact that they saw you. They, they tracked your phone yeah. um, because they sent out um, uh, the uh, you know fighter jets to, to intercept the, the object, and so um, basically, um, I think the the Pentagon is not denying it. I know that the Pentagon was asked about it, and they. They're not denying the fact that um, they can't deny the fact that they spent 22 million dollars in the project um, of black budget money, but they're also not denying that they're not studying UFOs. Yep. So um, the Pentagon's not denying it, and also I'm not, but I'm not quite sure on the, on the Navy's um, stance on that matter. Okay, excellent. In terms of um, just looking at, um, I've been intrigued by this fellow Robert Bigelow from Bigelow Aerospace. Yeah. Um, yeah. He he's basically a, a guy with a lot of money, made his money um, in, in short short stay hotels, I think, uh, by all accounts. But he's making a big movement uh, in the US, and he's actually at one point even purchased the uh, notorious Skinwalker Ranch to uh, allegedly yeah. um, con- conduct experiments into um, UFOs yeah. and current time travel and all this sort of carry on. Um, do you think this guy's a whack job, or do you think he's, he's you know, legitimately oh, I don't think he's a whack job, but I think that he's legitimate. He used to be a real estate agent. He's a very, very wealthy man. 
Um, so that's a bit of a red flag to start off with. But I think I think that, uh, and I've, I've seen him interviewed in a couple. I've never met him, but I, I've seen him interviewed, and he, he seems to be fairly legitimate in his passion for for um, the subject. And he's, um, I think he's. What I think what happened with him is that his grandparents once saw a UFO when they were travelling through the desert in Nevada or somewhere, and um, he was told the story, or he was even with them or something, and he he was fascinated by UFOs after that incident. And um, he seems to be quite passionate. He spent millions of dollars on the actual on, on studying UFOs. So um, no, I, I don't think he's he's you know like he's a whack job. Um, I think that um, I, I can't say too much about him because, as you know, he he bought the MUFON files a while ago for six hundred odd thousand dollars, and then he um, he apparently kept the files in his house at one stage, and um, there was a lot of hoo-ha because there was a lot of private information with people's names and everything associated yep. with those files, and he had access to them. So um, a lot of people um, left MUFON because of that, and. Uh, you know, like um, uh, Mufon was was partly discredited because of it. So, um, but he he's he has bought the Skinwalker Ranch and he has done some investigations and um, he um, a, a, has a hangar now which he's constructed and uh, apparently some of the um, meta materials from uh, some of the UFOs uh, that have crashed uh, on Earth apparently are stored there. So um, I don't know. Hello. Yep. Got you. Can you hear me? Yep. Yeah. Um, I don't know what, whether you heard that my last comment. Yeah, storing the. Um, uh, oh yes, storing the metamethods. Yeah. yeah. So so basically, <clears throat> um, he he says that he has specialised equipment that can store them. So that it's it's intriguing to know that, and, and a lot of people are backing him in this argument um, about I the materials. Have- yeah, I can't remember what it was. I did watch a documentary and someone uh, interviewed him, sort of, they they basically sort of jumped him at a conference or something like that. I can't remember off the top of my head who, who it was, you might know better than me. Um, and he did seem quite relaxed, he didn't seem evasive at all, he um, seemed like he wanted to genuinely answer the questions. They, um, you know, they, his offside or his media person tried to shoot the person away, but he um, was pretty... Okay. I think it might have been Jesse Ventura on one of those conspiracies. Oh, Jesse Ventura, yeah. Um, but, yeah, he's... Yeah, I didn't see that interview, but it would have been no. interesting, yeah. Yeah, maybe you have YouTube look at it. Uh, it's probably up there. Um, yeah. And, and he, he seemed legitimate and seemed like he sort of was generally interested in the subject and, and, and you know, had a real desire and a passion to, um, you know, yeah. find answers out of it, which, which is quite refreshing. Yeah, look, he's invested a lot of money in it as well. So, I mean, I don't think he's a type of guy which would, you know, he's got the, he's into aerospace, into aerospace. He's probably got a hidden agenda. Like he, I think he, what he wanted to do is, is start this aerospace industry where he could actually reverse engineer a UFO if he, if he got his hands on one. And so he, he then, um, you know, tried to enlist a, what was called a star team in, in, in MUFON, which were, were people, like field investigators, specialised field investigators, um, selected by him to go out and, you know, to monitor, you know, if if UFO did crash, um, we we could, you know, what to do to retrieve the stuff and how to retrieve the 
before the government got onto it. Now, it seems quite fanciful that, you know, you could organise something like that because um, it, it involved an enormous amount of infrastructure and, and, and money and time and effort um, to, you know, to retrieve a... I mean, what do you do with an alien spacecraft? I mean, it, you know, like, you worry about contamination, you worry about radiation, you worry about how are you going to handle the samples, you know, how do you get into the craft to get, the, you know, like, occupants, you know, how do you what, you... what do you want, you know, what sort of sampling do you want to do? It, it, it's, you know, it's a logistic nightmare, you know. Do you think, just popping back to my point earlier about uh, disclosure, do you think that real disclosure, you know, some concrete sort of stuff is, is imminent given the uh, improved access to, to, you know, secret files through wicked leaks and, and whistleblowers that come out from time to time, much like our friend Bob Lazar, but probably more of the newest school. Um, do, do you see some sort of announcement coming? Of, I've seen within the UFO circles, people have been talking about this for the past sort of 12 months or so, almost like you've been, you know, an insider has, has um, dropped the ball a little bit and said something's going to come out shortly, or do you think that's just, you know, just, just highlights maybe to sell a few tickets to a convention? Yeah, look, um, it depends upon how you define disclosure. Like, disclosure um, could mean, you know, like... Um, if you mean a disclosure that extra, extra, we have extraterrestrial presence here that's acknowledged by official government level, or whether you're talking about disclosure because whistleblowers and uh, people through, you know, through WikiLeaks or, or, or finding secret files um, disclose it in that way, um, no matter what you do, unless it comes from an official government source um, at a very high level, like um, maybe NATO or something like that, where they have a special summit meeting where they, you know, then announce that, uh, you know, sorry, we've been hiding this away from you for, for, for a number of years, but, um, you know, we do have extraterrestrial presence on the Earth. So I, th I think until such time um, that actually occurs um, through the official um, sources, um, we're not going to have disclosure, and I don't think it's going to happen uh, soon. But um, I think that the the phenomenon has been dis sorry, but uh, it, uh, the presence of VT on, on on this planet has been disclosed, it's disclosed to a certain level with um, you know things like uh, uh, information through WikiLeaks and through whistleblowers and, and stuff like that. So um, we've already seen you know like documents that um, the CIA well, you know, that document that memo that um, was issued by the CIA by um, James Angleton who was involved in the CIA and uh, about Marilyn Monroe. Um, for example, it, it mentions bodies from a crashed craft. What does that mean? You know, like, I mean, uh, can you hear me? Yeah, I can. I mean, that's pretty, yeah. you know, that's heavy stuff, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, stuff like that. Um, so, so basically, um, there's little bits and pieces and uh, being disclosed here and there, but nothing that you know would would change the public attitude to any great degree. I think the public is, to a certain degree, they're a little bit. Um, they're, they're sort of like living under a rock to a certain degree. Um, yeah. Basically, they they don't follow the subject, and they don't see the bits of disclosure that are happening uh, and and summate it and then say, oh my God, you know, there's really must be something to this. Um, yep. what, what the public, uh, they're, not a, they're, not, they're not as aware as people who are very interested in UFOs about what is going on. So to get the masses to actually, um, uh, you know, like um, say, oh, look, um, we want to know more. We, we demand that we know more. 
um, you know, you, you're hiding this away from us. And you know, um, so basically, what I'm saying is that um, I think I think what what's happening is that um, the the not the government so much because I think there's a level above the government that, that's actually um, that's controlling someone's running, someone's running those black budgets, that's right, and there's like a cabal or something, or, or that, like, you know, had they had the NJ12 that was formed in, in 1947 directly after the Roswell crash. There's, there's something, uh, there's, there's an organisation that, that's above government level, an echelon above government, government level, that's controlling all of this, and basically they're trying to condition the public to a certain degree that the yep. phenomenon is real. And basically, um, they're worried about panic and 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 and, and um, uh, uh, you know collapse of society because um, you wouldn't obviously you wouldn't disclose this um, you know to an unexpected well it actually uh, yeah I mean that was, uneducated that was, public yeah that was leading into my next question actually how how do you think the world would react you know in my opinion. Um, Probably not mass hysteria, but um, I think it would be open. You know, people would be open to the idea now. But I think um, also, you yeah, know, coming from a standpoint of, um, you know, I live in New Zealand. Obviously, it's, um, you know, it's not an overly re- religious com- country. I think people that are, um, yep. you know, pretty strong with their faith and so forth. This is really going to rock the boat. So I think the, you know, keeping a lid on things has a lot to do with that. You know, um, but who knows? You know. I think some people wouldn't be satisfied until a UFO landed on the White House lawn, you know. To really I think I think so. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. And um, just getting back to your question, so um, basically, I don't think it would have a repeat of the 1938 Orson Welles, you know, radio <laughs> broadcast. Event, the War of Worlds. But I think, yeah, I think some people would be very shocked. Yeah. Um, and I think that um, uh, you know, like some people would be non-accepting. Of the thing, um, even if um, it was disclosed by official sources, so I think they'd, be, they'd still be. They think, oh no, it's a government conspiracy. They're like yep. a counterintuitive government conspiracy, basically, and and they they just wouldn't, you know, they couldn't accept it. And, and then, but some people would accept it, and basically, they just go with the flow, or they just like. Um, be very worried about it because um, obviously if you have a higher, in- higher intelligence, obviously they can get from there to he- sorry from here to there. So they must be, you know, um, tenfold or hundredfold more intelligent than what we are. Sure. Um, uh, basically, you've got an entity that's actually here on Earth that is actually that you, that you can't control, but it can has the capacity to control you and society so basically um that's the problem um the lack the loss of control and i think that that's what could really upset society and some people and um or the potential to you know um to control you or to to dominate you Uh, i think yeah sure so you're thinking not necessarily civil unrest, but you're thinking people's way of life and way of thinking would just be changed so much that could by that could by default, um, you know, create derision and then obviously that could lead to. The, I think so. Yeah, I think I think that that could happen. Um, you know, like, and I think that this is the thing. You know, with Pavlov's dog. You know, you got to condition people, and basically yep. they just got to get used to it. And basically, um, uh, yeah. Um, 
uh, I had this once. I had this this lady. We've got a website. Uh, I've got a MoveOn website, and she said, "Look, I want to I want to join your MoveOn website, but I'm worried about my friends and relatives. So what they're going to say? They look at my Facebook page and they find out that I've liked this page." And she says, "Um, basically, they're very religious, and uh, they don't believe in you first." But I said to her, "I said, look." Um, uh, if if you're worried about that, just tell them that you know, like um, uh, God is more glorious, you know, great, uh, greater than what you think, because He's created this universe and other life forms in the, in, uh, in the universe as well as our own. So um, basically, um, you know, I just I just said that to her, and I said, and she said, oh, that's a good idea. And I, um, it, it was a question about you know, like, is God real? Uh, because you know uh, extraterrestrials exist, you know, and sure. uh, I, I don't think that I don't think that, that, that's a good attitude to have. I think it's basically if if there are other life forms in the universe, well then uh, if you want to put a religious spin on this, basically uh, God is is even bigger than what you know, like he, he's he's even more powerful. Well, I hate using the word powerful, but um, uh, more influential. Um, yeah. Because he's created the whole universe, he's created life forms in other, in other galaxies and other planets, and and therefore um, we should consider him to be, you know, even greater than what we. So what the two was. could be commiserate together, yeah. But you're saying exactly, and it's you know like, uh, but we've got a, you know, a narrow, it's like a, a very narrow um, understanding of what God is, I think, and and. Um, we, we want to only believe that um, we're his only creation. It's just like, you know, uh, sure. uh, you know, a child that has, uh, you know, two parents that say, oh, we're having another baby. And say, oh, no, I, I want to be the only, I want to be the only child, you know, saying that, you know, I don't want to sit for a brother because, it, you know, it's basically, it's just me. <laughs> I want you to, you know, just be with me. Yeah, I mean, you're, you said a lot more, well, a lot more politely than I would. I mean, I'm, um, I don't necessarily subscribe to, to religion, but... I always found it fascinating um, the amount of people that believe in a man who lives in the sky, um, but don't believe in the possibility of, of you know, um, aliens visiting Earth or the fact of even being, you know, other worlds, yeah. Earth, or the known universe anyway. Yeah, but that's seems, right. um, a bit blinkered to me. Um, whether they've just been indoctrinated too much by the church, which obviously can happen. Um, I don't know. Yeah, I think the Vatican is actually now um, uh, accepting the fact that extraterrestrial life exists. So um, yeah, the Pope had, I don't know what the Pope's mentioned a couple of statements where he's he said that this is the, the Catholic um, uh, Pope basically was saying that um, uh, I can't even, I can't remember what what statement he made, but um, basically they're, they're now um, opening their mind up to the fact that, you know, God is creator of the universe, not just, you know, not just our uh, universe. human, human. Oh. yeah, and, and um, basically they're accepting of the fact that um, there could be life forms on other planets, and yep. so I think that that's good, that's, you know, they're encompassing now uh, a broader view of what God is, and that, what, you know, what his creations are, creation is. Absolutely. All right, on that point, uh, Roger, I think we will call it a day, but thanks for coming on uh, Occam's Razor. No worries. Um, and just before you go, how, how does someone get involved with, with MoveOn? Do um, you have any events, or you're, you're the man to contact, obviously, in this part of the world, but uh, for people listening, you know, and the rest of the world, do they just go to the MoveOn website, or how does it work? Yeah, yeah. Um, if you just Google up 
uh, move on. Uh, if you want to, it just depends on what level you want to get involved in. There's, there's sure. three different levels. So if you want to become a volunteer, or if you want to become a, a bit more serious, become a field investigator, um, or you can just become a member. So basically, if you want to just become a member, you go to the MUFON website and you just um, uh, join as a member. And yep. there's a small fee attached to that. And then basically, you get the, the newsletters um, emailed to you. Yep. Um, if you want to become a volunteer, you can email me. Um, you can look, look up um, MUFON. Uh, uh, just, just, if you just type in uh, MUFON Australia and New Zealand, and basically, you, you'll find my, my email address there. And you could just email me as a volunteer, or you can, if you want to become a field investigator, you can just uh, go to the MUFON website and um, uh, email. You can email me there as well. Like, I mean, I'm on the MUFON website, the states as well. Uh, the listing of all the countries there, and you just go to Australia, and it's got my email address there. And you can email me there, um, and then um, I'll I'll just explain to you how you go about doing that, how becoming a field investigator. So obviously you, you have to sit for you have to get the manual. Um, you can download the manu- manual off the internet now, or you can just um, you can get a physical copy of it sent me, uh, mailed to you from the states. Um, and uh, then you have to study the manual and pass the exam, and then you can get involved that way. Um, so there's, there's there's three different ways you can get involved in. But um, at, at the moment we don't have. Um, any conferences or, or meetings as per se, but um, we, we will in the future once our membership increases so that we can guarantee that there's going to be a, a certain number in the audience. Yeah. Um, how, how, many, uh, how many members worldwide? There's about 4,000 members worldwide. Okay. Um, so um, it sounds like a lot, but it's probably not really. Um, most of them come from the States. Um, but yeah, there's about 4,000 members last time I looked worldwide. Okay, excellent. Well, it sounds like something to get involved with. I've recently uh, paid my membership dues and got involved that way. So I'm looking forward to um, to maybe sitting uh, sitting your test and getting out there and helping you with all the signings, Roger. <laughs> That'd be great. Um, yeah, so we, we don't have much of a presence in New Zealand. Yep. Yep. Hello? Yep, gotcha. Yep. Um, so we don't have much of a uh, move on presence in New Zealand, and uh, we don't have any field investigators, unfortunately, in New Zealand. So if, if there's anyone from New Zealand that's listening to the podcast, yes, please um, do contact me. Um, I'm actually doing some of the, the reports at New Zealand um, at the moment, but I'm really, I'm just like we've got 127 reports this year to, to Australia, and I'm, I'm really, really hard pressed to get through them all. Um, so I, I've got to do Australia and New Zealand. So if um, you know, we, we really could do with some help from um, you know the people. Good old fashioned 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 work. And what what sort Sorry? of people are you looking? But I've got old fashioned grunt work. I said, what uh, what sort of people are you looking for? You know, what's what's the ideal person to handle to become a MUFON investigator? Obviously, you're going to be naturally inquisitive, but a, a background in investigative work or. Yeah, um, basically someone with a passion to, uh, uh, about UFOs, you've got to really be passionate about it. And I have been for 40 years. And um, I, I sort of like, I got into it um, when I, you know, a long time ago, and you've got to be very passionate about it. You've got to have that motivation to spur you on because there's a lot of hard work involved in it. And basically it's all voluntary work. So you don't get paid for it, um, but it's, it's you get rewarded from discovering you know like 
some of the reports are fascinating. You know, they, they take yep. you to they take you on a journey to to a discovery of, of something quite strange and bizarre. Um, when you when you get this really you know like a really weird report where you know somebody you can't you can't work out what this is. It's you know and um, uh, so it, it, it's rewarding in that sense. Um, so. Um, yeah, well, it sounds yeah, nice. but basically, we have got a we've got a private investigator that's one of the field investigators. So he's got a lot of experience in private investigation. But cool. also, we've got um, people in uh, like teachers. We've got we've got uh, people in all walks of life. You don't have to have any particular. You've got to have an inquisitive mind. You've got to have a, an ability to write a report. You've got to have the um, a bit of a gift of the gab. You've got to be able to contact the person. You could either by email or by phone if there's if they're living close to you, where you can actually go out and do a field investigation, uh, where you you need to have a bit of a scientific mind, you you need to be able to um, yeah, put a report together based on what evidence you've got, um, be able to to um, use the the uh, the methods that the MUFON has um, to 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 um, investigate the the sighting, um, and basically you you've got to be inquisitive, you've got to have um, uh, that um, tenacity to actually want to know what this thing is, whatever it is. Uh, if it turns out to be, a, you know, like a, a, a bird or a plane or more, then, you know, so be it. But um, occasionally you'll come across a sighting which will have you extremely puzzled and, and it'll be quite an eerie and uh, mysterious experience for you. Sounds ideal. Thanks for coming on, Roger. No worries, Jim. My pleasure to, to be here. Thank you.